0: The uh, talk title this evening is The Seeker and the Thought. Just um, recently I was reading uh, an autobiography and it's uh, of uh, a woman named Lynne Frank, who is uh, rather uh, well known in certain circles there's somebody in uh, Britain who promotes the uh, careers of the uh, what should you say, rich and famous or some people say rich and shameless and she became uh, additionally well-known because uh, in her uh, lifestyle in London not only was it one of moving quite frequently among such famous people in the entertainment business and in the sports world, etc. But it was known that she had an interest in alternative things such as spirituality, new age, mysticism, uh, mantras, ah. the Buddhism, etc. etc. And it inspired, it seems, somebody to do a television comedy series somewhat loosely based on her character which came to, came to be called Absolutely Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and so recently she did her an autobiography and Yvonne and I have met uh, her she's been on retreats and, and things. And a magazine uh, the other day, if I may say, telephoned me, uh, who were doing an interview with her, and asked me what I thought of her or of her book. What I thought of her book which was a dangerous question to ask, almost as dangerous as asking, "Who am I?" And so I made my two pennies worth of comment about it. But one of the features in first part of the book especially is a combination and not an unusual one of quite a lot of seeking sometimes with some uh, urgency and restlessness which took her into a whole variety of areas of workshops and meditations to uh, Finnhorn, to California, to Spain and numerous other places and numerous other teachers and teachings and practices etc. and it was all rather uh, kind of, uh, oh wow, get to the next thing and moving on and. In all, all of that it's a kind of reflection of how there can be focus and interest and in that focus and in uh, uh, interest uh, moving on to a whole variety of things and one could be left wondering what's the, the core, what's the essence in all of this seeking, what's kind of fundamental and basic in it all and a number of people have um, expressed concern and protested, in a way, against the sheer diversity of the spiritual supermarket, and people trying tasting of this, tasting of that, and tasting of the other. And sometimes, and some of there could be a kind of extreme moving around from one thing to another, which is going on. And then at the other end of the the spectrum I was just in the uh, the manager's teacher's room today and in there there's a a copy of the uh, Goenka uh, newsletter and information about courses in the Vipassana etc. And I must say to their credit I like the ethic of the way that they uh, offer their retreats, and so forth. And in the form that people fill in, it, because they are very keen on very strong uh, commitment and to do nothing else, it asks those who have sat retreats previously, called old students, if since the last time they sat a course, had they sat a course Mm. with any other teacher, and if so, when, and how long, etc. And so sometimes one has, I have anyway, rightly a wrongly the sense that one is to be watchful for is the sheer diversity and being pulled around from one thing to another. But I think also one has to be rather diligent and careful about being very strictly and narrowly tied down to one thing as though that's the answer to diversity and as we know in teachings and practices where there's exploration going on where there is uh, seeking uh, uh, going on one can be too much too many different things and somehow moving running one thing to the other and the other could be restriction of one's freedom By through authority figures, tying oneself to doing absolutely one thing and never having chance nor opportunity to be exposed to more than one. And therefore from the very very beginning in any depth of exploration it requires from each and every uh, person uh, a a great deal of care, of uh, clarity, and of uh, inner listening as much as outer listening. Very important: this inner listening as as much as outer uh, listening. And similarly, today in a small uh, g- uh, discussion, a group meeting uh, today that we uh, had earlier, the area in the question of uh, God arose. Uh, uh, g O D. If you don't know the spelling, and in the for some in all of that if you come into a place as was pointed out to the person possibly her her first time here that the language of God and the language of uh, devotion to God may not be used, hardly used sometimes the words are never uh, even said and in that for some people who come to participate in situations like this, the uh, certain, whatever, freedom from religious language may be more comfortable and beneficial for uh, people and the language of uh, God is simply um, out of the person's frame of reference, can't relate to the concept, etc. And environments like uh, this that give acknowledgement to that but for others, the language of God, the very use of the word uh, God is something very comfortable, it's meaningful, uh, heart can respond to it well. And so that even if one doesn't hear the language of God in, from us as uh, teachers in, in any way, some, as it were, in the listening are doing a kind of, uh, times, a corresponding Um, translation into uh, the language of God by what's being pointed to so as an example one person might be pointing to liberation and tremendous uh, significance of it its timeless uh, nature uh, of it and another person may upon the listening to that translate that as being with God and never leaving God. So again, movement and language, all of that is part of one's area of awareness and responsibility and uh, understanding there so that most importantly is what we see, what the heart understands and what flowers from it and therefore being watchful of am I just going from one thing to another Uh, or am I just being too tight and restrictive in my uh, approach to liberation to being with God or whatever. In all of that has the uh, expressions of uh, exploration and of depth of inquiry. There's also the seeking which can be, we can uh, give care and attention to and that is uh, a movement in which a certain kind of priority or relationship is established and therefore one might speak of uh, the seeker and the thought. People will say and there's some, some curiosity I've got in mind now those of you who are here for uh, first time or in a retreat for the first time. Obviously the motivation for arriving in such a, a facility as this may vary quite considerably from one to another and some people will say into themselves yes I am seeking for something but in fact I'm not sure what it is that I'm seeking for and therefore some will say of themselves but not everybody perhaps my life in everyday areas in conventional sense is going along well my relationships with friends and family um, is going along uh, 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 well I don't subscribe to the view that um, God gives us our friends and the devil gives us our relatives and then and one says, Well, my work activities and uh, my values, my social life, my relationship to money, etc., etc. Some may say, Well, yes, all of that's quite comfortable with me, I'm uh, socially and personally, reasonably, as it were, well integrated with, uh, with the world, with secular culture. And some will say, Yet, in spite of that, I'm not suffering, I'm not in distress. I'm not worrying, I'm not in fear, I'm not depressed or whatever it might be yet there is a feeling inside which I am, whoever it is, I am noticing in myself that somehow despite being relatively conventionally okay there's something unfulfilling, there's something which something is happening which I notice in myself that no matter what I achieve or what I accomplish, or what I arrive at, the pleasure of it, the satisfaction of it lasts for a while but ultimately, ultimately it isn't fulfilling. And I notice this again and again that whatever objectives I set myself in life, I notice this keeps occurring. Could it be, some will ask, that there is the possibility as a human being to discover, to seek for and discover that which is utterly once and for all finally, completely, I've said it enough, fulfilling. (laughs) (laughs) And therefore there is nothing more to go to nothing more to add or whatever one has discovered that which is completely fulfilling and in dharma teachings one says yes capital y-e-s exclamation mark yes so a person may say well that's what you say that's right that's what i say (laughs) and yet if the movement starts if it doesn't start one either believes it or one doesn't believe it obviously if one starts the movement it may require at first some trust or faith in the voices past and present who say yes there is the realization, there is the discovery there is the finding of that which is so fulfilling that Nothing in this world of things, of items, of roles, of accomplishments can even get anywhere near what this which is fulfilling. So then a movement starts and some will say of themselves, not everybody, this is the, the movement of seeking start. And then in that movement which attracts one's interest, holds one's attention which one almost goes in a direction from what is known and familiar to what is not known and, rather un- and therefore unfamiliar. And therefore it's not an easy journey to make because most journeys that we make at least we have an idea of where the result is. We have some picture, some end of in what we wish to accomplish in everyday life, and therefore, oh, I can see there's I would I would like to be a, and therefore I do this, this, and this, and then that which I would like to be or arrive at or reach. Then I, I have some idea as I go along of what it will be. But when speaking of words like enlightenment, liberation. Uh, truth, uh, emptiness, uh, God, the immeasurable, whatever it might be. What the heck's that? So there is a movement from the moon. It's an act of faith and trust in that movement, which we might call seeking or exploration, but that which it is may be felt to be and thought to be totally out of one's spectrum, out of one's light as it were, Utterly unknown, and then sometimes we look around, look around, we can look around at others, look around at these kind of scenes uh, or whatever, and sometimes it can be quite disheartening because one looks around and says, well, I, I don't know these people. They've been seeking for years." (Laughter) And if whoever it is, what I see is a little accurate. Well, if this is where it gets them, <laughs> I shan't say any more. So, so sometimes I'm this when it's unsettled or, or doubt or whatever we might look around at the, the, the other seekers who are around and, and have greater uh, confirmation of our, of our doubt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in the movement of the inner to the flow of the seeking which can uh, uh, take place um, sometimes the response to it is of course polar opposite that we see, we look around and we see a great deal of uh, awareness and kindness and uh, compassion and tremendous depth of, uh, of commitment and sincerity and, and focus, enunciation and see many uh, qualities and in the recognition of, of that we say, well, maybe I'm just the beginner, maybe I'm just l- w- walking in the initial period on this uh, journey um, yet, people that I have much love and respect for, we might say, they seem to have been following a somewhat similar kind of journey. And therefore, that willingness again to, to be going from the known to the unknown, uh, which is the, the challenge of seeking there. Yeah. So, looking at knowing ourselves, remember the knowing of self, knowing of who, I, who am I. It can arise in the course of the meditations as part of that determination to find out what liberation is. It, it can a- arise, and it's an important f- question for the self, for the I, for me, for whoever, to ask how dedicated am I? Uh, how committed am I to all of this? which includes the aspect and feature of it of course connection with like-minded people it includes sincere, sincere and focused disciplines of meditation but many other features of it well how genuinely committed am I? and even though it raises questions for any commitment in that seeking and Sometimes one of the important questions that arises is how can that the seeker, which is the self in a movement of seeking, how can that which is confined and somewhat limited by its perceptions and etc., how can that which is limited and confined by its perceptions discover that which is limitless and not defined by perceptions? How can that which Beyond self, beyond seeking, beyond perception, realize that which is not of it. And some of the saints and the sages of other traditions, in this case, Christian tradition, in in a different framework of language, have said, When I try to get closer to God, this is Christian mysticism, mysticism language when I try to get closer to God God correspondingly tries to get closer to me and sometimes the sense of, of that if one's comfortable with uh, that mystical language the sense of that begins to have a significance that as we begin to realize something of our um, uh, the humility of our Of, I can't do this all by myself. I can't work out my salvation all by myself. And when we get to realise the, the significance of that, it brings a certain humility to the self. And in bringing a certain humility to the self, it's as though something else, so to speak, gets closer to us. It's as though the seeker and with the seeking that goes with it and that which is sought so to speak, begin to move closer together. The gap which seems huge at some time, particularly when people begin and they just hear the word enlightenment as an example of a liberation or realising the truth or discovering the death- deathless or finding nirvana or stepping into eternity or whatever the language and here the language and, it, and the gap the space between the language the seeker and the thought can seem infinite but not pleasantly so <laughs> And, and, and so for some it would seem like almost a very slow, mindful, step-by-step uh, step movement towards. But the wonderful thing of life, the magnific- magnificence of it all, is, is that that gap can end faster than the blink of an eye. Just because one says, my God, I've been doing this practice for days, weeks, months, years, whatever the form of practice. I've been very committed to all of this exploration and seeking or whatever for an ex- amount of time. And sometimes it seems there's just a little reduction of the gap. Remember, remember that it's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. There's just a little reduction of the gap. And sometimes you feel a little closer to something. And then it's, two steps forward, one step back two steps forward, three steps back and mind is moving thinker and thought inwardly is moving big gap, small gap, big gap, small gap all this is going on but there's still a gap and sometimes I feel so. nearer one end of it one is just on the verge of something and then well, it seems like light years away from all this common experience for those dedicated to these <coughs> explorations so the seeker and the thought so what can happen not unusual when it feels the ending of it the dissolution of it is close sometimes people I hear regularly they uh, I had a letter I remember some um, years ago and the person said, Oh, Christopher, you're making people work too hard to um, um, find God or to uh, realise the truth of things or or, or whatever. There's a much easier way to do it, much quicker. It's instant. So they don't have to go through all these knee pains and wandering mind and getting up at six o'clock in the morning, etc. All they have to do is just get an air ticket and fly it and see this guru in South India and and uh, and he can blow your mind not she actually in this case she can blow your mind in um, uh, just like that and then and then it's all over and complete and one has found the truth and, and, and one doesn't have to go through all of this process so it sounds like a good idea so sometimes in contact with another sometimes in contact with another one can feel closer sometimes there can be some sense of dissolution of sometimes the gap can seem greater of course etc but more importantly is what I think what the general sense is with regard to ourselves so in other words there may be situations which we call in meditation which we call in inquiry which we call being in contact with a particular person or a particular group or or being in the nature or being in the silence or whatever and we say the access to this seems like that the seeking sometimes is dropping away do not feel like there's a movement to seeking for something. Feel it's more palpable, a sense it's much closer. That, there isn't that, that the gap isn't that big nor that real. So in certain situations, we sense. We can sense uh, a greater receptivity, and therefore the the seeking, and the thought get closer and closer together, and sometimes. It's said to help reduce the gap the seeker is the thought the seeker is the thought but as I said earlier sometimes it, it, what matters is the overall it's not enough for a person to say uh, in this time at this point in this moment or in this period of my life I really was with I really close too. And people say that through various circumstances of life. The important is generally day to day does one feel to be with, to be with God. Does one feel and know one's liberation? Does one sense that there is that timelessness which birth and death can't touch? As the norm of one's being that's what counts therefore it's not dependent on association not dependent on association with silence not dependent on association with a guru not dependent upon association with a method and a technique or a, or a group or a book or whatever So the realisation of liberation uh, uh, in life it may seem like, ah, this is the vehicle, this is a tool, this is a resource to end all of this seeking once and for all. But the repetition of the same thing means misunderstanding. The liberation which counts, not the seeking, not the methodology, and not the seeker. I say, therefore, I say, can there be a freedom which is not dependent in any way whatsoever on conditions, either the pursuit of them or the repetition of them? So if some vehicles contribute. Here we would say silence is a vehicle, meditation is a vehicle, inquiry is a vehicle, listening to talks is a vehicle, etc. Being in lovely nature is a vehicle. But all of that contributes, it's only the tool to find a freedom which is not of a tool, not needed, not needing a resource to make it happen so that it's set, clearly, well-established with us and nothing can take it away, nothing, nothing going into the inner level for a moment in the movement of the inner called the, the, the seeker, the seeking and the thought some, as I said earlier with other things well actually I don't feel I'm seeking for anything and I don't have any objectives I'm not particularly interested in liberation or in discovering and finding out what all those big fancy words mean I'm just actually just here to watch my breath relax a little bit get away from the kids <laughs> um, eat some decent food and um, not uh, cling to my thoughts and reduce my stress <laughs> and some people will say I'm not here for any big spiritual purpose in life don't feel like I'm, I'm seeker in that way I'm just quite going about to uh, come here just for a few days of rather quiet, mindful retreat. And I'm told it's a nice non-sectarian place, which it, it is. It's not a, a, a cult. The teachers have no interest in building up uh, uh, followers or anything like that. We don't insult you in that way. And I'm just here to do some practice. And one can say, oh, that's what I'm here for and it would appear and that being that's what I'm here for to learn about meditation etc can be as though that is how it is and I will keep it like that be warned <laughs> it could change in the next meditation <laughs> just because one enters, enter a retreat and says, well, actually, I'm just here for a little meditation and uh, and a pleasant environment and lending ear on teachings, uh, etc. Don't imagine for one moment that you are in charge of your mind and that you can, if you so wish, keep it that way. Life doesn't work according to one's light of fancy in the here and now and it would just take in the dynamics of the silence in the meditation in listening communication from another in a small group or whatever just one small incident in such a setting as this and your whole life can just suddenly turnaround completely and that original motive and intention for just a few days of quiet time in South Devon before going back to the job or whatever it might be Mm there's no guarantee that that view and perception can be sustained in this business one never knows because one is going whether one likes it or not from the known to the unknown and that's why in that respect meditation retreats and teachings when you're walking here it's a dangerous place (laughs) to be for the mind because things happen to people things change and one knows that either the old has to go sometimes it means in the seeking and exploration the old has to go or the relationship to the old has to change dramatically and therefore it's not just a little cooling out period for four or five days Then finally this movement of seeker the movement called the seeking and uh, the thought it's as though in some certain sense in the inner life we can acknowledge the uh, interrelationship of all three that the meditation work as well as everything else is when done skillfully and well and consistently allows and enables a certain kind of deepening to go on. And in the deepening that uh, goes on there's a kind of life Expressing of things kind of falling into place. If there's some depth in our awareness and some clarity, in life, things are kind of in place in a certain kind of way. And everything being in place, the sense of that begins to stand out a little bit more for us. And as a result, there's a corresponding reduction in the greed, in the negativity, in the agitations of life. Things are... We are being who we are. Life is showing itself, as we said in the inquiry, in the way that it does. We begin to acknowledge it clearly. There's almost a sense that one is a large, empty space almost a sense that we're in a large empty space and in this large empty space this is unfolding itself and sometimes the seeker and the seeking and the thought begin to kind of quietly fade away and there's a sense of a large empty space in which things are just coming in and out and through that space and therefore what's unfolding through eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch and then what's being received is in as I say something expansive and then we become curious what is this that allows it can't be just eyes or ears what is it that's allowing The witnessing of back to the right right into fast space what is allowing all this to pass through all the data, all the colors, shapes, sounds, smells, tastes, and touch all the sheer diversity that's going on? What is it that's allowing that to pass through? We say, This is sometimes almost an empty space, and perhaps in that empty space something more important than the constriction of the self which selects and chooses and decides and thinks about this and does that and wants this and doesn't like that etc and gives a real idea of me and that us and them or whatever it might be and kind of making up divisions where they aren't we? Really. Sometimes in the silence of things, as they say, there's a, a space which is there and rising and passing, unfolding, going on in this, in this. Could it be that it's a key to knowing the way things really are rather than what we keep interpreting and, and imagining? May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings be illuminated. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes. Thank you for listening.